Part One, Chapter One of Lady Byron Vindicated, A History of the Byron Controversy, from its beginning in 1816 to the present time, by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Published in 1870. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Publisher's Preface and Chapter One Introduction Note by the Publishers the subject of this volume is of such painful notoriety that any apology from the publishers may seem unnecessary upon issuing the author's reply to the counter-statements which her narrative in macmillan's magazine has called forth nevertheless they consider it right to state that their strong regard for the author respect for her motives and assurance of her truthfulness would in the absence of all other considerations be sufficient to induce them to place their imprint on the title page the publication has been undertaken by them at the author's request as her friends and as the publishers of her former works and from a feeling that whatever difference of opinion may be entertained respecting the author's judiciousness in publishing the true story she is entitled to defend it having been treated with grave injustice and often with maliciousness by her critics and opponents and been charged with motives from which no person living is more free an intense love of justice and hatred of oppression with an utter disregard of her own interests characterize mrs stowe's conduct and writings as all who know her well will testify and the publishers can unhesitatingly affirm their belief that neither fear for loss of her literary fame nor hope of gain has for one moment influenced her in the course she has taken london samson lowe son and marston january eighteen seventy chapter one introduction the interval since the publication of my article the true story of lady byron's life has been one of stormy discussion and of much invective i have not thought it necessary to disturb my spirit and confuse my sense of right by even an attempt at reading the many abusive articles that both here and in england have followed that disclosure friends have undertaken the task for me giving me from time to time the substance of anything really worthy of attention which came to view in the tumult it appeared to me essential that this first excitement should in a measure spend itself before there would be a possibility of speaking to any purpose now when all would seem to have spoken who can speak and it is to be hoped have said the utmost they can say there seems a propriety in listening calmly if that be possible to what i have to say in reply and first why have i made this discourse at all to this i answer briefly because i considered it my duty to make it i made it in defence of a beloved revered friend whose memory stood forth in the eyes of the civilised world charged with the most repulsive crimes of which i certainly knew her innocent i claim and shall prove that lady byron's reputation has been the victim of a concerted attack begun by her husband during her lifetime and coming to its climax over her grave 
i claim and shall prove that it was not i who stirred up this controversy in the year eighteen sixty nine i shall show who did do it and who is responsible for bringing on me that hard duty of making these disclosures which it appears to me ought to have been made by others i claim that these facts were given to me unguarded by any promise or seal of secrecy expressed or implied that they were lodged with me as one sister rests her story with another for sympathy for counsel for defence never did i suppose the day would come that i should be subjected to so cruel an anguish as this use of them has been to me never did i suppose that when those kind hands that had shed nothing but blessings were lying in the helplessness of death when that gentle heart so sorely tried and to the last so full of love was lying cold in the tomb a countryman in england could be found to cast the foulest slanders upon her grave and not one in all england to raise an effective voice in her defence i admit the feebleness of my plea in point of execution it was written in a state of exhausted health when no labour of the kind was safe for me when my hand had not strength to hold the pen and i was forced to dictate to another i have been told that i had no reason to congratulate myself on it as a literary effort oh my brothers and sisters is there then nothing in the world to think of but my literary efforts i ask any man with a heart in his bosom if he had been obliged to tell a story so cruel because his mother's grave gave no rest from slander i ask any woman who had been forced to such a disclosure to free a dead sister's name from grossest insults whether she would have thought of making this work of bitterness a literary success are the cries of the oppressed the gasps of the dying the last prayers of mothers are any words wrung like drops of blood from the human heart to be judged as literary efforts my fellow-countrymen of america men of the press i have done you one act of justice of all your bitter articles i have read not one i shall never be troubled in the future time by the remembrance of any unkind word you have said of me for at this moment i recollect not one i had such faith in you such pride in my countrymen as men with whom above all others the cause of woman was safe and sacred that i was at first astonished and incredulous at what i heard of the course of the american press and was silent not merely from the impossibility of being heard but from grief and shame but reflection convinces me that you were in many cases acting from a misunderstanding of facts and through misguided honourable feeling and i still feel courage therefore to ask from you a fair hearing now as i have done you this justice will you also do me the justice to hear me seriously and candidly what interest have you or i my brother and my sister in this short life of ours to utter anything but the truth is not truth between man and man and between man and woman the foundation on which all things rest have you not every individual of you who must hereafter give an account yourself alone to god an interest to know the exact truth in this matter and a duty to perform as respects that truth hear me then while i tell you the position in which i stood and what was my course in relation to it
a shameless attack on my friend's memory had appeared in blackwood of july eighteen sixty nine branding lady byron as the vilest of criminals and recommending the guiccioli book to a christian public as interesting from the very fact that it was the avowed production of lord byron's mistress no efficient protest was made against this outrage in england and littell's living age reprinted the blackwood article and the harpers the largest publishing house in america perhaps in the world republished the book its statements with those of the blackwood pall mall gazette and other english periodicals were being propagated through all the young reading and writing world of america i was meeting them advertised in dailies and made up into articles in magazines and thus the generation of to-day who had no means of judging lady byron but by these fables of her slanderers were being foully deceived the friends who knew her personally were a small select circle in england whom death is every day reducing they were few in number compared with the great world and were silent i saw these foul slanders crystallizing into history uncontradicted by friends who knew her personally who firm in their own knowledge of her virtues and limited in view as aristocratic circles generally are had no idea of the width of the world they were living in and the exigency of the crisis when time passed on and no voice was raised i spoke i gave at first a simple story for i knew instinctively that whoever put the first steel point of truth into this dark cloud of slander must wait for the storm to spend itself i must say the storm exceeded my expectations and has raged loud and long but now that there is a comparative stillness i shall proceed first to prove what i have just been asserting and second to add to my true story such facts and incidents as i did not think proper at first to state this ends chapter one publisher's note and introduction